Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that next person to help grow your business, LinkedIn Jobs will match the right talent with your open role. You ever heard of a little company called LinkedIn, Dad? Rings a bell. Rings a bell? You know why? Because that's the company that the Steelers should have used before hiring offensive coordinator Randy Feet Fetish. LinkedIn actually has over 675 million members worldwide. I don't know if they have any offensive coordinators on there, but either way, they screen candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. We barely even have to read this copy, I feel like. I feel like by this point, if you don't know that, LinkedIn is probably more important than IG and Facebook put together, then I don't know what to tell you. You're probably homeless. It sounds like trying to advertise Coca-Cola, the refreshing beverage of, of the world. LinkedIn is the Swiss army knife of business today. And I have two experiences over the last year where I had to hire people and I'm going through a hundred resumes to start. They've already been screened and it's still a miserable experience. And then I said, I'm going to impose a little rule. I'm not going to look at any resume that I'm not at least second linked into, second generation linked into. And man, that got the numbers squared away. I actually was able to call people who knew the candidates that were applying for the job. So it's much better than relying on the candidates reference check. So I'm a huge proponent. You know what that's a great thing for? That LinkedIn, that second uh, connection person thing you're talking about? It's a great way to make sure you don't hire any murderers because they've been vetted by people that you know. And it's crazy because Every eight seconds, someone gets hired via LinkedIn. I mean, like you said, it's like trying to advertise for Coca-Cola. This is almost more of a taunt for how awesome they are than an advertisement. Uh, But you should find the right person today for your business right now with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want, and you can get the first 50 bucks off. Just visit LinkedIn.com slash team. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash team to get 50 bucks off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn. Never hire a murderer again. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Yeah, 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 Better than a game week. You know... I can almost get used to the offseason if we have action like this week after week. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is March 22nd, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And what a week it has been. There is more than enough to talk about here. Uh, because All hell, Kevin Colbert. 
all hail Kevin Kevin Colbert. Okay, the first thing that I thought of uh, before going into this show, obviously we have massive free agency additions, the shocking addition of Eric Ebron. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, give us a follow on the gram, at Steelers Outpost. We actually did a video, about a six-minute video, where we talked about the initial comings and goings of free agency and did a big thing on Eric Ebron. Obviously that's going to be the shocker of this offseason, probably since Joe Hayden there hasn't been such a surprise. We thought that the Steelers wouldn't be able to sign anybody you had ever actually heard of by name before due to their lack of salary cap space, which you and I have pointed out as a testament to Kevin Colbert because the reason why they don't have salary cap space is because they got so many good players. It's not like there's anybody sitting there. There's, not, there's no Cortez Allen or Lamar Woodley sitting there on a bloated contract, right? But here's what I think. Not only was this shocking just because that they were able to sign him, and obviously we're going to talk about Wisniewski and Worley, the two, the offensive and defensive linemen that they signed, which provide a phenomenal depth, right? Um, But the Ebron signing and the ability to sign three guys who are going to be contributors, it's not just surprising because of the math, because of the lack of salary cap, cap space. It's almost surprising just because the Steelers are the forgotten team in the NFL right now with Tom Brady, going down to Tampa Bay with the Ravens bolstering that uh, roster that is already you know, one of the best teams in the NFL last year, with the Browns uh, taking a bunch of players who were stars in other places to make them bums on their team. Everybody else is getting the headlines. The Steelers got people right where they want them. We know the Steelers are better when they're underdogs and they're talked about less, but clearly... Kevin Colbert, the Roonies, and Tomlin do not view themselves as underdogs. And once again, I got to praise them for pushing the chips all into the middle of the table and making a big signing like Ebron and these other guys that they got. They took the extra $10 million from the CBA, cut a bunch of guys, and freed up about $36 million, and they've been spending like your mother at Nordstrom. I mean, drunken sailors. <laughs> right. Or me. Nah, I can't. Me at Ross Dress for Less, I guess. But, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, there's there's a ton of different angles uh, to take on this, but why don't we just move down the list on some of the most exciting things before we get to Ben Roethlisberger's castaway segment. Can I ask you why you think Ebron was available? I mean, he had a phenomenal year. It probably is his bellwether year in 2018 with the Colts. He had, with Andrew Luck. Yeah, 750 yeah. yards. 13 touchdowns. 13 touchdowns. Steelers have never had a double-digit tight end, double-digit TD tight end. Say that three times fast. Double-digit, I can't even say it one time, double-digit TD tight end. That was pretty good, actually. Pretty good. Um, Okay, so here's the thing with Ebron, just a quick refresher for anybody who's not familiar with him. Is this Rob Gronkowski or Kelsey or Kittle? No, but he's got the same sort of talent level as as those guys, minus any of the blocking ability. Eric Ebron was the number 10 pick like seven years ago in the NFL draft to the Detroit Lions. He's a freak. He's a wide receiver in a tight end's body. He doesn't. Really, he's never really offered much from the blocking perspective, and... He's very fast. He can jump very high, come down with contested balls. He's the kind of tight end who scores 60-yard touchdowns. You know, once a year, he'll have a massive touchdown like that. So that shows you what kind of athleticism, what kind of potential the guy has. And he just never quite lived up to it in Detroit. And he had a great quarterback in Matthew Stafford, so it's sort of confusing why he was never able to hit that ceiling. It's not like he was bad, but he just left something to be desired when you draft a guy at number 10 who's such an athletic freak. 
Then he goes over to the Colts with Andrew Luck and tears it up with that 13-touchdown season. Andrew Luck then retires, and last year Ebron struggles with injury and quarterback play, and he does have a habit of dropping the ball every once in a while. So sort of uh, sometimes injured, sometimes inconsistent tight end who makes huge plays but sometimes drops the ball. I don't know if that motif is familiar to Steelers fans given uh, the stud we have on the team right now, Vance McDonald. But, yeah, the Colts, I guess we're just moving on from him since the dip in production was was so drastic. And he's a guy, I wouldn't say he's more potential than production because he has produced before. I think that with Ben Roethlisberger and the fact that he's being brought, he's not being brought in to be the main guy. He's being brought in to add another dimension to this offense, which they needed very badly, which we've been saying all last year is they need more playmakers, guys who are athletic, who can make big plays. And now they have that. So you have Vance McDonald, who's a well-rounded tight end. He's an excellent blocker, and he's a good receiver um, from time to time. And then you have a guy like Ebron, who's a good receiver and really attacks the middle of the field on those seam routes that have crushed the Steelers on defense for many years. So him running in that part of the field, it opens things up for Juju, Washington, and Deontay. And he is only like 26 years old, Dad. Did you realize that? Uh, so yeah, I have that up. It's crazy. He's, he's very young. Yeah, so he's still in his athletic prime. He started in the NFL when he was 14 years old. So he's been doing a good job with that. And I just, yeah, two years, what, $12 million? Mm-hmm. And... Not only do I think that this makes the Steelers' offense immediately more potent, it also opens up their possibilities for who they could draft in the second round because now that they've filled that tight end spot, you have a pretty cool, formidable tight end room. If these guys play to the top of their potential, Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron, that's a really great tight end tandem. You've shored up that guard spot with Wisniewski, not saying he's going to be the starter, but now you have that Finney player, that backup center guard guy that you, that you lost for about a couple days. <laughs> and so now the guard spot's okay. Warmly providing depth on the defensive line. That's another big pickup. And, uh, yeah, now they just have a lot of flexibility with the draft. So, I don't know, man. The, the offseason where they signed Hayden and Vance was a great job by the Steelers. But the past calendar year, what Kevin Colbert has done, getting Minka Fitzpatrick, getting Devin Bush, getting Steven Nelson, the guy who we don't talk about nearly enough, and now getting Wisniewski, Wormley, and Ebron, this is unbelievable. It's unprecedented. It goes to show people, like, (laughs) it's not old Pittsburgh anymore. These guys have caught up with the times. They know that it is an arms race. But what they have done is maintain sort of the Steelers' approach, which is not overspending. It's kind of amazing. I'm still right. scratching my head about why Ebron's available. What do you think? Do you think the Steelers are going to make more use of, like, 12 personnel groupings where they've got both both tight ends on the field? Because you could see that sort of being the four-wide re- receiver set. Because you've got, yeah. like you said, he's almost Ebron's almost a, a wide receiver, 6'4", 250. Mm-hmm. He's got a little bit of speed. So He's got a lot of speed. Do you see that... Um, do you see these on, they're both on the field a lot at the same time? Definitely. I think so. And I'm really curious to see 
not what the feet master cooks up, but what the Steelers as a committee cook up to involve him. Because actually, the Steelers were very, very successful over the last couple of years using two tight ends. When it, um, maybe not last year, but the year, two years prior, when they had Jesse James and Vance McDonald. And some of that, you know, three years ago was with Le'Veon Bell on the field. And they were able to run the ball out of that personnel, and it really worked very well. And now this is a little bit different because Ebron isn't a blocker. But like you said, I mean, he's a sort of a glorified receiver. This isn't a situation. I don't expect it to be like, oh, he's coming in to be a starter and Vance is the backup or the other way around. I think that they're going to find creative ways to put them both on the field at the same time. So can we move on to Chris Wormley? which is another head-scratcher to me because you've got this interdivisional trade, which is, seems kind of rare to me. Yeah, again, Kevin Colbert is just dominating right now. He got the Ravens to trade him a player. So I'm not totally familiar with Wormley's game film, admittedly. I've known his name for a while while he's on the Ravens, but I do know that he's essentially the defensive version of what we have on Wisniewski, which is like... Um, I'm trying to compare him, maybe not to like an Alu Alu, but he's one of those kind of guys who's the second wave of defenders. If he had to start a few games, okay, you can get by on that. But as a depth piece, this is phenomenal. I mean, obviously there's no replacing Hargrave, but now with Alu Alu and Wormley behind Cam into it, you really have some reliable pieces, and hopefully a guy like Isaiah Bugs develops, but now you have more of a proven commodity there. And defensive line... My, is probably the most important position to have depth in because the best teams actually rotate their defensive lines and almost have like two stacks of them. Um, and yeah, the Steelers have done a great job with that. I wouldn't be surprised to see if they took another person in the draft, maybe later in the draft. But yeah, that just really shores up that position. And I'm glad they're doing that because that Steelers front is so formidable you wouldn't want to see them have to play against teams like Cleveland and Baltimore who can really run the ball and see if they could uh, tire out the Steelers' defensive front. You need those two waves of guys, so Wormley gives you that. So just a little bit of information on Wormley. He is 6'5", 300 pounds. You know what? I don't know where he went to college. But the Steelers sent a 2021 fifth-round draft pick to Baltimore in exchange for him. We get Wormley plus a 2021 seventh-round pick. He started seven games for the Ravens last year, 33 tackles, one and a half sacks. And he is 26 entering his Is he on a one-year deal? I guess because they're picking up his deal, he only has one year left on the deal. Uh, I will tell you. you Yeah, if you look that up real quick, we can confirm it. But I think that's the case. And I know people whine about that a lot when you pick up a player with one year left on the deal. I mean, hey, a lot of people didn't like the Vanette signing last year. And they turned out to be right because Vanette's off the Steelers now and you basically gave a fifth-round pick for a guy who was on the team for half the season. But sometimes you got to roll the dice with that stuff. If Vanette had really stood out, then you know they would have had uh, the first crack at re-signing the guy. So I don't mind that with Chris Wormley being on these one-year type of things. And uh, we said this a couple years ago when, when talking about the draft and getting annoyed about the Terrell Edmonds pick. This is Ben's last few years. This is the offensive lines last few years. Cam Hayward's getting up there. Even to it is, you know, start, he, he hasn't been able to make it through a season. Joe Hayden's getting up there. You have uh, encouraging pieces for the future, for sure, you know, with Minka and Juju and Bush and all these guys. But let's be honest, the, the core of this Steelers team 
is coming to an end here. And they're not an old team by any means. They're in a strike now type of situation. So if you get guys for one year, I'm like, well, you got Ben for two. So it's worth it to me. Yeah, I don't know what they're paying him. I think they're picking up the last year of a $2.3 million contract. Right. Okay, so it is just the last year. They only have him locked up for this coming year. Perhaps. I actually can't find the, the contract numbers in there, and I'm not sure. Maybe he's not officially signed yet. Yeah, well, he'd be signed because we traded for him. I don't know. Maybe it's probably on Twitter somewhere. I'm not. I don't. I don't care about the numbers so much as much as I care about how long is he on the team for. That's what I was trying to figure out. But you were just saying they picked up the back end of a two-year, yeah, multi-million-dollar deal. So that means if they're picking up the second year, then yeah, I guess you'd only have one uh, year left on it. But either way, let's move on from that. Uh, regardless, we got Wormley. Uh, we talked about Wisniewski on the Instagram show. Uh, we touched on him a bit earlier today, but he's basically a guy. He's Robert Ory. He's the Robert Ory of the NFL. He was on the Eagles. They win the Super Bowl. He's on the Chiefs. They win the Super Bowl. He's on the Steelers. I think we know what's going to happen next. Grizzled vet, 31-year-old veteran, exactly what you're saying. I feel such a sense of relief from getting this guy. I don't know if he'll yeah. be back up, if he'll even play, but when we lost um, Finney, Finney, Ramon going mm-hmm. – Two years out from Marcus, I, I just felt like the erosion of that offensive line. It just and now obviously, yeah. Wisniewski is not a long-term solution. But I didn't want to spend a whole lot of capital in the draft on offensive line guys when we think there are a couple other high priorities. Yeah, exactly, and it just gives you flexibility as to who you want to start because the rumor is they're actually going to push Filer from right tackle over that left guard spot which would make Wisniewski just the backup guard at either position and the backup center, which, of course, you really need because, you know, Marquise is up there. Hopefully he stays healthy. But uh, in that case, Banner, who they locked up as well, Banner uh, would compete with Chooks for the right tackle spot. And we love Banner. I mean, Banner is the most likable guy in the Steelers. But, you know, between you and me and everybody listening here, I'd be really disappointed if Chooks didn't win that spot. I mean, he's a third-round pick. And you know the way that you and I look at this is if you're a, if you're picked in the first, second, or third round, that means you're expected to be a starter at some point. And everything after that is is a gamble. But as a third-rounder, come on, man, we got to get him in here. So I really think that Chooks' success will be indicative a little bit at least, of how well Sean Surrett has done taking over for Mike Munchak. Because we used to draft a guy or pick him off the street, you know, like, eh, give him a couple of weeks with Munch and he'll be starter ready. And then I forget, we mentioned Derek what last week? Or was that on the Instagram post? Well, I guess we did a lot of this on the Instagram post. So obviously, uh, if anybody isn't uh, following us on Instagram, we are now posting some shorter shows, truncated shows, like five-minute clips over there. And we talked about the signing so of T.J. Watt's to brother. So he plugging a hole left by Dirty Red, Tyler Matakiewicz, and uh, Rosie Nix, who was let go. Yeah, basically, Derek Watt is one of the best special teams players in the league. I yeah. think he was tied with Dirty Red for, like, the most tackles in the special teams last year. So... Uh, he came in, what, three years, $9 million or something like that, and Tyler Matakavich left to Buffalo, kind of shockingly, two years, $8 million. You have to feel so good for that guy. What were the chances of that happening, Matakavich? But he was unbelievable on special teams. Well, you got a guy who's the, who's the same thing now. It's so sad to see Rosie go because he was injured last year, but I always felt that they did not use him enough because that one year, the year Le'Veon's last year, 
when he was absolutely dominant and he was running for, well, was it last year or second to last year? Second to last year, I believe. Was the Jaguars game La- Le'Veon's last game? Well, either way, the one, the one, the year where they just ran it 40 times a game for the whole second half of the season and made it to the AFC Championship when Le'Veon got injured. I mean, Rosie Nix was dominating people, and you would watch him clear the hole every time. Great blocker, unbelievable special teams player, and I don't know if it's just because, you know, Ben's older and he does not like playing from under center. I don't know if that's the main reason for the underutilization of Rosie, but... I thought that he could have been used more in his career. So now it allows you to get rid of those two guys, I guess, and bring Derek Watt to fill two birds, one stone kind of situation. But Derek Watt isn't – he's not being brought in to be like an offensive weapon. He's a good fullback, and he'll play. But I don't know if the Steelers – how much the Steelers are really going to change with Ben – you know, famously wanting to run more at a shotgun with the importance of keeping Ben healthy – you know, even if wins are uglier, like if Ben's out, you're done. And I know you can say that for a lot of teams, but, you know, if Deshaun Watson get well, let's not say Deshaun Watson, the Texans are sunk. You know, if Russell Wilson gets hurt, this, the, the Seahawks will be back the next year and the year after that. They have a little while left in his career. Like if Ben goes down, even for a couple games, we saw what the Steelers are working with with those backups, right? Um, so I think that they would try and keep him healthy and keep him comfortable in shotgun. But it is interesting now. They got a new fullback. They got a couple tight ends. Every team in the division has well, – sorry, one more thing here. The Bengals, the Browns, and the Ravens have, like, insane defensive lines this year. It's going to be very hard to run on them. Um, so I don't know if the Steelers would be committing to any more run game that way and making it easier for Ben, but it seems like what, what's easier for Ben is just sitting back there and getting a rhythm. So we'll see what happens, but – Derek Watt, too bad it's not JJ. We have a laundry list of guys we've lost in this process and just, you know, this – in my mind, the top five, starting with Hargrave, is gone. He's gone to the Eagles. He got his payday. Ramon Foster retired. We talked about B.J. Finney and Dirty Red leaving. And as, as we all know, Chicolo's been released and Rosie. Other than that, well, recent story, Artie Burns went to the Bears. Right. Nick Vanette went to Denver. Uh, Mark Barron right. and Johnny Holton were released. Right. What So... Again, we talked about those guys individually a little bit on the Instagram episode, but I'd be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to talk about maybe one of your... You think this is a top five Steeler, at least a top five modern Steeler and Ramon uh, leaving the, the Steelers, but at least he retired in black and gold? I mean, this is your guy right here, the big ragu. 11 years on the Steelers, and he quietly ascended the ladder to locker locker room leader, just a good guy. He was effective, and... Um, I just need a moment. (laughs) What do you think about, like, you know, he retired, Troy angrily retired, Hines retired. Doesn't that sort of seem like the obvious option when you're that age? Or is it really like, do you want to go move somewhere else and try this again with your brittle bones? Or do you just want to accept that, hey, this didn't happen? I don't remember this like it was yesterday, but it it sticks out enough in my brain when Franco Harris went to Seattle. I was blown away because back then – the movement in the league wasn't that prominent. It was, you know, really right. hard to do. And I just, you just figure these guys are loyal. And I guess that was my realization began that this is a business. These guys are risking life and limb and they want paid. What amazes me is their self-assessment that would take them somewhere else. Maybe these right. guys realize they're on the fading part of their career, but there's still a significant amount of money that they could earn by moving to another team. And that's more important than some... 
I don't know, quasi-loyalty to a team. Yeah, well, as we know, the, the teams are far less loyal to the players, so you would like to think that, oh, the team might have some loyalty to these guys too, but our own team, which is probably, in all honesty, you guys, like bias aside, the Steelers are probably one of the highest morality team. I, I don't know how to phrase that, but, you know, they, they have a lot of moral ground to stand on. The only team that voted against the CBA last time, the initiation of the Rooney rule, which isn't perfect, but, you know, comes from the right place with the Rooney family. And the Steelers are just a very mor- morally solid team. You have countless reports of former players, like, who left the Steelers, like people like San, maybe not San Antonio Holmes, like Mike Wallace or guys who took paydays other other places, and they'll come back and they'll do interviews with uh, what's the guy's name? Pittsburgh Sports Steelers Takeaway on Twitter, Ron. Um, like he has pl- interviews with former players, and a lot of those guys who left for paydays will say like, "I wish I hadn't left. I just didn't realize that there's this family atmosphere in Pittsburgh." Yet. Our team forced Troy into early retirement, and he won't forgive them, which he probably should do. But, um, yeah, they, the teams don't have loyalty. In the the Rooney Rule is a great example of one man's mission, and we're, we'll talk about that. I, I read that biography, and we're going to have the author on for an interview. But I guess it's more like a fairness issue, right? They seem to be upfront about the player's situation. And they're not; they don't play games, and that because you don't hear any of the players feeling like they got cheated or there was some underhanded dealings. Right now, assessment of talent is a whole different thing, and assessment of what you should be paid is something. I think a huge advantage for the Steelers, as would be in any business, is their consistency. You know how they talk about we're not negotiating any contracts in the season. Now, I think they have made exceptions for people like Ben and AB. Yeah, they push money up for AB. Yeah. Still, still ungrateful for that. The only person in in a hundred years. But yeah, go on. He he needs the money for the therapy if he hasn't blown it already. But my point is, if the Steelers are clear about the rules of the road and they follow it, I think that's what you can ask for. Let's forget about loyalty. I mean, I I think there is some loyalty at some place, some point where you have a a team friendly contract, but the fans aren't loyal. Right, man. If, if if pick your team favorite as soon as he puts his toe over the line. People eviscerate players. There is, I mean, fans should not expect loyalty when they don't demonstrate loyalty. They're loyal up to the point where a guy is doing great. Yeah. This is what I've been scared of with Ben forever because watch the guy have, you know, if he has four bad games in a row this season, which, you know, he's a slow starter as it is, even when he hasn't missed a year of football, he'll have four games and people will be saying he sucks. Oh, he sucks in general. we got to get somebody new. He's always sucked. And these hyperbolic things when it's like, oh, you weren't saying he sucked when he threw for 1,000 yards in two weeks, like a couple years ago. Or if he bounces back the very next game and throws for 400 yards, and then they'll be putting up memes of the guy like, this is the best quarterback in the AFC North, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, people don't uh, show too much loyalty. Here's a good example. I've seen some loyalty to... Maybe not so much from fans, but from more like people who cover the Steelers or people who talk a lot about the Steelers. You know, Derek, Alex Kazora, uh, Neil, all those people on Twitter. Like, there's been some loyalty to Artie Burns, who just signed that deal, like you said, with the Chicago Bears. So Artie Burns is one of the most likable players ever. It was a disappointment when we drafted him because William Jackson III went one pick before him. And that's the guy the Steelers were going to take, and that guy is a stud for the Bengals out of all teams. Um, So Artie was overdrafted, but his story is so potent. His mom dies while he's in college at University of Miami, 
And he goes to the NFL early because he cares for his two younger brothers. He is the, like, it's just those three guys. And he's the one who cares for them. He pays for their lives. He takes care of them and everything like that. And you just can't help but root for a guy like that. And I've seen some some people online say, like, listen, he might not be as bad as Steelers fans say he is, trying to talk some Bears fans off the ledge for the signing. I have to respectfully and fully disagree. I mean, Artie is horrible. I mean, he gives up deep plays. He is a penalty machine. He can't tackle. He's horrible in the slot. He can't memorize coverages. He blows coverages. He is a total bust. An absolute disaster. Him and Jarvis Jones, the biggest ones we've seen in a while. Yet, a lot of people are happy for the guy going to Chicago because you, you know, you hope the best for the guy. But, of course. okay, uh, let me dial it back for a second here. Like what you're talking about when we're saying old veterans on one team going to try to make it happen for a few more years, usually out in the desert. I feel like they, those guys always go to Arizona for some reason. But... I guess you're right. Like, how much do you want a Super Bowl? I think that's usually the reason for guys to continue beating their their bodies up. It's either like, I just really want a Super Bowl, and if you get an opportunity, like, what if the what if um, like the Saints or the Niners wanted to sign Ramon? Maybe that would be different, you know, because then you really have a chance at getting something done. Or all the veterans the Patriots have signed over the years. But then there's other guys like Des Bryant who was bad his last two years in the NFL just because of a body that had broken down, and this guy is still trying to get back into the NFL. And maybe that's the wide receiver in him, but that sort of seems like a... I don't know if he cares so much about the Super Bowl as much as he cares about like proving people wrong. I would love some inside information about whether guys go to a team to win a Super Bowl because, first of all, it is such a long shot, even for a team with high odds or low odds to make the, right. the Super Bowl. I would imagine guys are trying to maximize their value. And that's, yeah, it'd be great if I was in a position to be in a playoff team. But otherwise, I'm not taking team-friendly deals from other teams, let alone, you know, my team, let alone other teams, right. just to align myself with a potential Super Bowl. So let me just mention that the Steelers conducted a lot of contract restructuring in addition to all these players that left to make room for the guys we signed. So Chris Boswell, Joe Hayden, Marquise Pouncey, Big Ben, and Vance McDonald were all restructured to free up money. So we have pushed some liability out into the future. But as you pointed out at the beginning of this show, it's uh, all about this window. Right, and there is talk of uh, an extension for Cam Hayward, and I don't know if they're going to do anything with Tuit or not. But basically every good veteran player has had their contract moved around. What about Pouncey? Did Pouncey or DeCastro get anything moved around? or Pouncey. Yeah, you said Pouncey, you said Pouncey, right. Yeah, basically everybody on the team. So it's masterful what they've done. So let's let's move into uh, back into a conversation we want to continue, which is what the Steelers need. I wonder if they continue to restructure these contracts because they still want to sign somebody. And when I say big, I don't mean no uh, Redskins big. I mean Steelers big, significant right. signing. Right, right. Well, yeah, I don't know if they're signing anyone big, but if they could get another Wisniewski or Wormley-type guy at some of these positions of need, I think that the Steelers will be looking maybe to make one more signing, although the barrel is getting bare, but they have a real need at safety, especially free safety as, as a backup, because they did re-sign Jordan Dangerfield, another guy uh, not quite Ramon level, because Ramon was a star player on the team, but Dangerfield's hung on for like eight years 
can you believe that? That's insane. But he is a total liability on defense. I remember I had a discussion on Twitter with someone who said, like, you don't know what you're talking about if danger you think Dangerfield's a liability. And I said, I actually think that this guy is huffing paint as he types this while he's smoking crack because Dangerfield is a liability on defense, great special teams player. But, yeah, they really need a backup safety because you're counting on Edmonds and Minka making it through the whole year. And, obviously, Sean Davis just signed with the Redskins, another guy who you got to feel good for, up-and-down player, Artie's draft mate there. But, yeah, they have a huge need there. So maybe if they can sign some sort of low-cost uh, veteran at free safety, they also have a need at edge because there really is no reliable – Number three edge player, and I know some fans out there might be angry that I'm not considering Ola or Skipper or those type of guys a reliable backup, but that's just the fact. We don't know if we can really count on them the way you could count on Chicola, who is not a good player, like as a starter, but he is someone you could rely on for a couple snaps here and there, right? And then, um, yeah, I don't know if they're going to sign. Well, those are the those are the big ones, and then obviously middle linebacker. So edge, you really need a third edge, middle linebacker. You know, you got Ulysses Gilbert, who I'm very excited about. But Barron's gone, so you kind of need a third middle linebacker there and then safety. So we'll see if they're able to get anybody in free agency, but you're going to have to look at those. Those are some critical needs for depth. Did we land on running back? I don't know if they're going to get a running back in free agency because I'm pretty damn sure they're going to grab one in the draft. And I'm and now with these moves that they've made, shoring up all of the starting positions, there's no position, there's no starting position that's a disaster anymore, right? So I wouldn't be shocked if they went running back in the second round or third round. I mean, you know, they get man, these guys are coming out of the fourth and fifth round right now, and you're getting real value for them. So I'm sure they'll add someone else. I'd be furious if they didn't add someone else because, like I've said, I'm not on board with this running back room at the moment. But yeah, that's a, that's going to be a need as well. Let's not forget about Kareth White. Well, how could we dismiss him too easily? We're the Kareth White podcast. The Steelers have no draft picks in round one. They do have one in round two, and we just picked up one in round three. So the only other round we do not have somebody is round five. I know they lost a comp pick due to the signing of Ebron, but I think that... But that would be 2021. Right, that would be 2021, exactly. So, yeah, obviously we have a lot more time to go over this draft stuff and start to dive into, start diving into actual players they're looking at. Who knows if the NFL draft is going to be affected by this corona thing. Sort of seems like it won't be <laughs> based on how free agency wasn't affected during the zenith of the outbreak here. Um, but we'll get more into that. We're going to have some people on the podcast who can help us out with that and just give us some other perspectives. But there's um, let's talk about the fulcrum to the season, the entire let's. season resting on a bionic arm. That's right. In an interview with the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, Ben Roethlisberger said he's throwing without pain for the first time in years, and he also addressed <laughs> an affrontery to his physical development. Yeah, everyone thinks he's fat. Like he's just he's fat as normal. He's fat enough to sling for 500 yards in a game, buddy. How you like that? That thing is funny, though, by the way. So, okay. It was cringy. It was hilarious. That's our quarterback. This is our quarterback. This is the quarterback. There's no other quarterback besides this man. But my goodness, Ben, did somebody, can somebody tell you, like his wife, can't you tell her? You're supposed to point the phone down at yourself. He released that selfie video. 
inside of the castaway beard that he's sprouted. It's the most unattractive look a man could have, but it's perfect timing for quarantine. Well, he have to ask um, Fitzpatrick how to operate with that thing. Because he said right? he's going to cut it when he's able to throw it. Maybe he'll cut it before it actually matters. Will he count the offseason as a time when he's throwing adequately, or is he going to wait for his first game pass before that thing comes off? Right. He's saying that he won't cut it. He promised once he got hurt he, that he's not going to cut the beard until he can throw an NFL-quality pass. So I would expect he's going to get into a training camp or whatever and make a throw and uh, and be like, yeah, I, I I'm not wearing this. Granted, everyone gives him crap for not wearing his helmet in the offseason, so it's not like it'll be messing with his chin strap at training camp, so maybe he does wait till the first game. Maybe he throws the first pass in the first game, and then they sh- call a timeout just to shear it. That is entertainment. They'll still have to, they'll have to burn three timeouts as much time as that thing. That thing hasn't been touched. It looks like a wire bristle brush. I don't know if you know this, because this is kind of an old-time Christmas cartoon, We've but there's this. a guy called... Oh, we already talked no, about No, no, bring it up. Yukon. Bring it up. It's even more perfect now. So do a side-by-side with Cornelius Yukon, and he looks exactly like him. There he is. With this, I'm watching this Twitter thing in amazement. The kids are unplussed, nonplussed. They're used to seeing this. It's been growing slowly over time, but it is shocking. Yeah, his wife is spiraling into a depression, I'm sure. he. Uh, I mean, he does also look exactly like the moment in Anchorman where he says... Uh, milk was a bad choice with that beard spilling the milk down the beard because dude you don't have to cut it but you can put some product in there or something to tame it down for your poor super attractive wife who has to sit there like uh, yep he does throw a lot of touchdowns though I've heard people say I'm fat, and that just blows my mind, Roethlisberger said. (laughs) I'm lighter and in better shape than I was in either of the past two years. I haven't stopped working out. I normally don't work out in the off-season. That's underline that. that. More on that later. I don't overtrain, is what he was trying to say. Right. But he's been doing everything five days a week. He's doing cardio twice a week. He's 106 years old, and he's only doing cardio twice a week. Oh, God. Legs for legs twice a week and upper body twice a week. I'll say this. You know, you and I, we keep it real with Ben just because I, I am trying my heart. It's a life goal for me. I'm giving the Hall of Fame speech. I'm doing it. I've studied for years. I know this man. I know the story, and I can give it to the people, and I can take it in my fist and shove it down their throats. And it'll be glorious. I got a little violent. I'm sorry. Either way, I try to keep it real with him, though, because, I'd, you know, that's what we do. We analyze football for what it is. We can acknowledge where his faults are. And you want to have some credibility when you talk about the good stuff, right? So I'll just say this. I've always thought the fat thing is funny. Like, he hasn't really gained much weight. It really is just the beard. And there's some pictures that make him look fatter. And there are some pictures that Steelers fans share that make him look, like, thinner. But overall, it's just the same stature, but the beard is two feet wide. So it probably does add a good couple pounds. Go check this out and go look at all the responses. It, it's it's a lot of fun. It really humanizes them to an extent that um, <laughs> yeah, it humanizes Okay, them. but we need to talk about this. Dad, this is what we were talking about before. You guys have to realize what you're seeing here. This is never going to happen again. Favre is retired. 
I guess Fitzpatrick is sort of on a similar train, but he's not anywhere nearly as successful as Ben Roethlisberger is. You're never going to see another professional athlete in any sport who, let's let's see, what's the quote again? Who, quote, normally doesn't work out in the offseason. And I think that for you and me, it used to be a little bit frustrating maybe five, six years ago because it's like, wow, he is so much more physically talented than Drew Brees and Tom Brady. I mean, he's got a better arm and better feet, bigger body than both those guys. Imagine if he put half of their effort off the field in, like, he could be the best quarterback ever. But now at this point, like, he's towards the end. Let him do his thing. It's worked pretty well for 16 years so far. You kind of can't argue with it. And these are things we suspected for a while. I think you and I were saying, like, I don't think he takes it easy in the offseason. I think he takes it off. I think he's drinking beers in the offseason. And this literally confirms everything we thought. And you know what's hilarious? It's like if someone wants to give him crap about that this year, like, oh, well, maybe if he worked out every other and more in the offseason, we would have won more games. Like, well, guess what? He didn't work out in the offseason when he threw for 500 yards in back-to-back games. He didn't work out before the offseason two years ago, his last playing year where he his most recent playing year, excuse me, where he led the NFL in passing yards. This this is never going to happen again where a guy just wakes up with a half-smoked cigarette in his mouth, relights it, and throws the ball to no-name third-round wide receivers who get huge contracts and go to other teams and bust. Did I get this right that Tom Brady is the first player to go 20 years on the same team? There have been a couple other players who have made it 20 years, but I'm not sure... That sounds team. right, because the only other guys make it 20 years, I think, like, you know, I don't remember if Favre did or Cunningham, but it's mostly kickers, and they definitely played for multiple teams. And the so here's my those point. Guys. Ben is going into his 17th year. Do I have that right? I believe so. Six, 16th, 16th, 17th year. And he's How he's enjoyed himself that? in the offseason. He might not make it as long as Brady did. But he enjoyed himself a hell of a lot more. He really did. He ate the cheese noodles. He smoked the six cigars. You know what the... He took the off-season off the whole time. Brady is like <laughs> a... He's like a Tibetan monk. Well, not anymore. Shaving his head, eating... Yeah, huh? yeah, he cracked. That's why he went to Tampa Bay. By the way, we haven't even mentioned... Well, we mentioned it early in the podcast, but Brady went to Tampa Bay, and no one will ever know the full extent of the reasons, but it has become clear, and Seth Wickersham, who wrote one of those New England articles about uh, that he got ripped for, Seth Wickersham, in ESPN, like last year or whatever it was, that Brady and, and uh, Belichick are butting heads. No one's apologizing to him now that Brady has left, but the big reason why he wants to leave is because he felt underappreciated in New England. Which is kind of surprising to me. It sounds sort of like a baby move, but you do have to give him a break because from all accounts, from every player who's ever played for New England, from Brady to Edelman to Gronk, all the stars, they all say it's legitimately miserable. It's not fun. It's worth it, but it's not fun. And so, like, the dude did it for 20 years. You got to give him that, right? But even um, after they lost that Super Bowl to the Eagles where he threw for 500 yards and the team finds – and no you know, picks, team finds a way to lose that one. And he goes – I don't remember who was interviewing him. It was some auditorium where he leaked this, I feel like, where they sort of planned this out. It was very – cheesy and cheeky where I guess they planted a question with the interviewer to say like hey Tom do you feel appreciated by the New England Patriots and he stops and goes like I plead the fifth I, everyone forgot about those stories where 
this has been brewing for a couple years of Tom Brady feeling underappreciated. The best end of the story would be if Ben can get one more Super Bowl and join that illustrious three Super Bowl club and be like, would you take three Super Bowls in 20 years of joy over, (laughs) I guess, the six and 20 years of agony? It'd be hilarious. Like, oh, you, you ate nothing but avocados for, you know, 20 years? I fried avocados and put them in ice cream and ate that for 20 years and basically accomplished what you accomplished. Speaking of moves and Tom Brady, I'll, I'll wrap this back up. But um, So AB really wants to play with Tom Brady. Wants oh, a reunion. God. I don't know, know if it's unlikely or impossible to happen, but I just want to tie it to the next story, which is Deontay Johnson is working out with AB. Yeah, not cool. Don't do that, man. Not. He's going, what are they saying in between reps? I hate Juju. Don't you hate Juju? Yeah, he's the worst. I'm the best. You're the best. And Juju's too big and fat. And we're short and we're cool. I think that's generally what they're what they're saying. Deontay, do not let this man poison you. I uh, yeah. I mean, whatever. Who cares? I mean, Deontay. Uh, it's it's really a story about nothing. Some people are like, that's what you got to do. You got to work out with the best. And hey, some of that's true because Antonio Brown offered an absolute crap ton while he was on the team in terms of setting a hardworking example. And I don't think he was doing that out of the goodness of his heart. He's doing it for himself. But still, it rubs off on people when you see how hard he works. Who is the second hardest worker during the last decade in Pittsburgh? Le'Veon Bell. I mean, it's a well-known fact that those two guys kind of went above and beyond everybody else. And so when your best players work like that, especially, uh, to be honest with you, you know, when you have Ben, your, your, your best player doesn't really have that type of work ethic. Um, he doesn't need it because he just wakes up and pisses excellence. Excuse me. But it really helps when it trickles down from the top like that. So it is good for Deontay to see the receiver with the most maniacal work ethic since Jerry Rice. I pray to God Bruce Arians' hatred for Antonio Brown is enough to keep him off of that team because that would be very annoying if he joined Tom Brady down there. I think the NFL will keep him off of that team. There's a reason he's not coming back. Hey, I went down a wormhole because I noticed that we have two sets of brothers on the team, and I think we talked about this again on Instagram, not last week, but Terrell and Trey Edmonds and TJ and Derek Carr. But do you know we had another set of brothers last week? Huh? Derek Watt. Derek Watt. Sorry, I keep saying that. Um, We had another set of brothers last year. You're looking at the script so you can tell. I didn't remember this until I went down the wormhole. Vince and Carlos Williams were on the team. Right, and Carlos Williams running back – for the Bills, before we picked him up, he was actually pretty good. I, I completely mm-hmm. forgot about Carlos Williams. Well, in this wormhole, there were a ton, I mean, a million brothers, but actually quite a significant number of brothers who played on the same team, and I, I just stopped the list after a while. But do you guys, do you remember um, Dan Turk and his brother Matt? Yeah. Dan Turk was a long snapper for, for the Redskins, yeah. and their punter was was Matt Turk. But th- So that... Kind of surprising, but it also lends itself to that DNA argument. Yeah, goes along. Like, I use LinkedIn to screen any new employees. I would have a. I would just make sure I'm not talking to anybody whose father, uncle, or grandfather hadn't played in the NFL. That's actually the Steelers' strategy as well. They're huge on NFL bloodlines, right? We've heard about this for a while. Who's was it? Minka's dad or Terrell Edmonds' dad played in in the NFLs. So that was a big thing for them. And obviously this past year, oh, uh, Bush, his dad played in the NFL. Obviously we know about the Watt family. Yeah, they're actually very big on bloodline 
you know, playing at those Power Five schools, which means that you are one of the freakiest athletes. You know, they'll take someone like Javon Hargrave in the third round, who's a dominator at a smaller school. They'll make an exception for someone like Ben, guy who comes around once every 20 years, who's coming out of a small school like that to take him in the first round. But, yeah, they really value that that type of bloodline, that type of genealogy. Sounds sort of weird talking about it like that. I feel like that's probably the wrong terminology, but it really is true. Like, some humans are just built bigger and faster or, or thicker. Like, even when you talk about Drew Brees, he's an interesting one because you think of him, oh, he's a small quarterback. He's a successful short quarterback. But the dude is made of rocks. He's thick, and he's put together well. Like, Russell Wilson, too. He's, like, he's got, like, the – it's just you, – you couldn't put a sword through the man. He's so rocked up which is an odd combination for his height. So, yeah, they do like to find people who have professional football bodies, <laughs> which I guess helps in professional football. So that was a surprisingly easy 50-minute podcast, unless you have something else to take us over that, Mark. I think we're good. There's plenty plenty to go off with. We're planning some new segments, and you guys just once again follow us on Instagram I know we're going to plug the plug our other channels at the end here, but we're really trying to make an effort to kind of cook up some more content there. And I really like the videos that we were able to put up five, six minutes uh, during some frenzy times for the Steelers. You know, this past week has been so big with all the free agency. Uh, I'll see about the regularity throughout the rest of the offseason when, you know, it's a little bit more chill. But we definitely have some good ideas for some stuff up there. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. 
Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.